Hello and welcome to another edition of the Informal Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Lewis, here with longtime guest, good friend of the pod, Aaron Lewis. Lewis, how you doing? Lewis, I'm well. It's almost summer. We're back and we are talking baseball again. I, this is my favorite thing to do, Lewis, talk about baseball. And we need to give the listeners a little update here. It's been a while since we've recorded. Um, the last pod we did was actually the MLB intro, the preseason pod. Which, you know, I had a lot of fun recording. I don't know about you. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And I hate that we had to wait 40 games to get back to it, but I'm ready for it. Yes. And, and that's that's what we're here to do. We're here to talk more baseball. We need to apologize for the break. You know, we had plans going into the summer. Most of you guys probably know Austin is off playing baseball, chasing the dream. Shout out to him. Shout out to the Pirates, the greatest organization in baseball. Um, and we thought that him and I could record these pods semi-regularly. It's just been tough. You know, he's got a busy schedule and it's been tough to get together. But what we're going to do in the summer, um, at least to start off with, what we're going to try to do is me and Lewis are going to try to get together once a week and talk baseball. We love baseball. That's what we enjoy talking about. So we're going to do our best to do a weekly baseball podcast at least through the end of the season. And that's pretty much all we talk about. So if we can get together once a week, I think it's going to work out okay. That's all we want to do. That's all we want to do. So after we kind of get settled into a routine it's going to be kind of more of a newsy type show. I mean, we're not neither one of us is Buster only. We're not. Right. We're not doing baseball tonight. I don't we're, have the scoops. I'm sorry. No, we have no inside information. Um, but we're just going to get together once a week and kind of talk about what's happened the previous week. And that's not all we're going to do. You know, at the end of this podcast, we're going to try to talk about some NBA. Um, as other things happen in the sports world, we're going to touch on it. This is not a baseball podcast purely. Um, but for the next, you know, four or five, six months, it's going to be majority baseball. So. I'm excited about it. I mean, I'm excited for that, but I'm more excited for the politics and religion side that save, we're getting into save later. It, save it for the religion podcast, <laughs> Lewis. We're going to have that one in the wintertime, after football season's over. Informal after dark. <laughs> that one's in the works. Stay tuned. But since it's been so long since we've talked, we're t- tonight, for disclosure, we're recording this at night. It's probably going to come out Saturday morning, but... Um, during this recording, we're going to have to kind of go over the season at large. We're going to hit some bigger, newsy topics, some of the big storylines so far of the season. So, without further ado, is there anything you want to get off your chest to start off with? Do you want to dive into this? I mean, so we talked about early in the season about how we said there was like six or seven teams who we said were going to be the super teams. They're the super run, teams, They're running yes. away with the division. It's going to be easy. And one of the first teams that we brought up when we said that is we said there is no way the Los Angeles Dodgers don't win the National League West. And boy, were we right about that. Someone on this podcast correctly predicted the Dodgers to win the World Series. I don't remember if it was me or you. I think it might have been uh, normal co-host Austin Coley. We'll blame him. We'll blame him. We'll blame him for that. Um, but yeah, the Dodgers haven't started out so hot. I mean, they, they got out to a slow start. Clayton Kershaw got hurt missed a couple of starts. Jo- Justin Turner, I don't. I always want to call him Josh Turner. Mm-hmm. It's not Josh. Justin Turner. Long black train. Yeah, different guy. Uh <laughs> I don't remember if we got it into the preview pod or not, but he broke his wrist right at the end of spring training. Yep. Is just now coming back. And, but they are currently, I've got their record pulled up here. I believe eight games back, right? Eight games back of the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks just came off, I think, an eight-game losing streak. And so keep in mind, I don't think I've ever been wrong about a baseball prediction ever, but I said going well, into the season. absolutely. That's why you're here. Yeah, I, you're I said perfect. going into the season that there was no way the Diamondbacks were going to replicate what they did last year. So 
Yeah, once again, if you had told me the Dodgers were going to start out slow, I'd have said, okay, fine, that happens. But if you had told me they'd be eight games behind the Diamondbacks before June started, that would have blown my mind. And it was worse than that for a while. The Diamondbacks mm-hmm. had been on a skid. Yep. It, it For the last few years, the baseball fandom as a whole has just conceded that the Dodgers are going to be one of the best teams in the league. And they have been. Clayton Kershaw's been the best pitcher in the league for, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years. And they always seem to win high 90s in games, at least, if not more than that. And they look mortal. I mean, Clayton Kershaw yep. looks like he looks mortal. For the first time in recent memory, he's probably not the best pitcher in the league. And, I mean, we talked about on the preview pod, uh, he's got a player option at the end of this year. See, mm-hmm. we talked about what it would have to take to get him to opt out and become a free agent, or to opt back in, actually. And I think at this point, there's no way he opts out, right? He's had... Oh, God, no, no. I mean, he's got the back problems that yeah. keep, have cropped up for the third year in a row. He's not pitching well. And he's got... I mean, what's left on that contract? $140 million a lot or of something? Money. A lot of money. He's going to opt back into that. He has to. Oh, yeah. But what can the Dodgers do moving forward? Because I still think that, on paper, they're probably the best team in that le- in that division. But they're eight games back. On paper, absolutely. And, and I was curious because, I mean, Dodgers, West Coast team, I've not got to watch a ton of their games. So I was kind of delving into this, in the, the uh, statistics earlier. And I looked it up. And I looked at their offense because I knew they'd been missing yourself a week. I knew some of their guys had not been producing the way they were. But they were still kind of middle of the road offensively. They weren't that bad. So I thought, well, I thought their pitching was kind of okay. So I looked that up. And, yeah, I was right about that. The pitching was okay. Then I looked into the defensive metrics. And, of course, obviously, you know, defensive metrics are the – hardest of all to really quantify and really get right, but Fangraphs, in terms of defensive rating, had the Dodgers as the 27th team in the in, in the league in terms of defense, so, I mean, that's part of it, which will get better because Justin Turner's back, he's a couple weeks back, uh, it's going to be getting better, but uh, there's some serious issues there for sure. Well, we should probably also say that your, I believe it was your MVP pick, Corey Seager, had Tommy John oh, surgery. Oh, God, I forgot about like, that. Yeah, I forgot about it too, I'm scrolling through their Thanks Fangraphs for page. So, I mean, that's huge. Any team loses their best player, they're going to suffer. But Sorry, you're hearing something. Some, my computer's talking here, Lewis. I don't know what's going on. We're, we've Full disclosure to the listeners, we've tried to record this like four times and had to stop it. We're going to keep rolling. I was talking about Corey Seager back on the train. Corey Seager is the best player on the Dodgers. He, he got hurt, Tommy John surgery. Any team that loses its best player is going to struggle. But I thought the Dodgers were injury-proof. I mean, they've got one of the best farm systems in the league. They've got more money than Warren Buffett. They can do whatever they want, but to this point, they haven't been able to put it together. And I think I figured out why, Lewis. I'm going to tell you the secret of why the Dodgers are in fourth place in this league, eight games out of first place. You want to hear it? Let's hear it. The third-best offensive player on the Dodgers. I don't know if you've got it pulled up. I want you to guess. The third-best uh, offensive player by Fangraphs War on the Los Angeles Dodgers please today. do not tell me. Oh, you I'm know right. who it is. Third-best? The third-best. Yasmani Grandal is worth 1.3 war is to this number point. one? He's number one. That's an issue. Yep, that's not great. Cody Bellinger is number two. I knew he was top two. Yep, yep, number three. Oh, I'm going to say number three will be Chris Taylor. Number three is Atlanta Braves outcast Matt oh, Kemp. Oh, no. Is the third best offensive player on the Dodgers at this point in the year. And that's why they're in fourth place. Yeah. I mean, Matt Kemp, okay, he showed up in shape. He did the same thing last year. Yeah. He's a pretty good hitter. I mean, even with the Braves last year, he had a pretty good offensive season. But this lineup is just... Oh, that's miserable. It's just not great without Corey no. Seager in it. And they're going to have to make a move. I mean, they've been linked... A lot to Manny Machado because sure. they've got more money than anybody and sure. they've got the prospects to make that happen. But 
the Orioles aren't trading Machado yet. I mean, the, no. the Orioles, I don't know if they've won a game yet. They're going to trade Manny Machado. They have to. But it's going to take a while to do that. Nobody, yeah, you don't trade superstars until July. So what can they do between now and then to get back in this race? And really, that's rough. And I've wrote a few things down. I mean, if, if you're the Dodgers, one, you're counting on Justin Turner to come back and be an absolute superstar. Got to be a stud. He's he, got to be. And he's looked good so far. I think he'll be okay, but he has to be a superstar. And a couple other things you have to count on is that so you sell Puig is back and he's look he's looked really good he's hit three home runs in his last four or five games Puig is your boy you, you sell Puig you, you are the biggest Puig fan east of the Mississippi full disclosure I actually pulled it up on the ESPN fantasy baseball page a day or two ago I've held on to him in fantasy since 2014 I once asked you about a trade and you said everyone on my team is available except yeah. Bryce Harper obviously oh, and Yasiel like, Puig who at the time was like the 35th <laughs> best outfielder in the league and you're yeah. just like nope Puig's not available no, sorry I mean if you'd asked me in 2014 what the floor was for yourself a week I'd have probably said Willie May <laughs> I thought he was going to be that good and I've held on to him since then and at this point I can't give him up but yeah you're, you're hoping he turns out okay you're hoping the defense turns it around at least to get to the point of like an average team middle of the road and the final thing you hope for is that one Kershaw comes back and two, that he gets back to the level he's been at. Because even when he was playing this year, he wasn't terrible. But like you said, he was not Clayton Kershaw. He's just not the same yeah. guy. I mean, he's still he's still a very, very good pitcher. He's still an all-star caliber pitcher. But he's not the best pitcher in baseball, period, end right. of sentence. Like, he's been for half a decade. But if he can get back to 90% of that, Alex Wood's having a good year. You know, bless my soul as a Braves fan. It kills me that we gave him away for nothing. But Walker Buehler might be a stud. Walker Buehler has, you know, my fantasy. He's on my fantasy yep. team. Uh, Walker Buehler got a chance to be very good, but he's a rookie. You're yeah. not sure what you're going to get out of him, especially late in the season. Kenta Maeda looks pretty okay. Kenta Maeda's had a good year so far. Hyungjin Ryu yep. is hurt again no, because the, he's always hurt. And really but. the last thing I've got to ask for the Dodgers, because, I mean, I, I pay attention to a pretty good bit of stuff, but... What's the news on Julio Urias? Like, is he, is he playing? Is he? he I know he's hurt, but he had surgery last year. Um, I don't. I haven't heard anything about him in a long time, which is kind of what happens when you have the surgery. You go away for a while, right? And it seems to me before the season, the Dodgers they strike me as a team who want to be conservative with that kind of thing, right? right? They they utilize the the DL better than anyone in the league. They shuttle guys back and forth to AAA. They struck me as a team who's just going to say, you know what, Julio, take the whole year. Take the whole year. Yeah, get healthy. Get healthy. We'll bring you back slowly in 2019, and you'll be a part of the future. Now that, I mean, I don't know what his health's like. You know, we're not doctors here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he's also 20, 21 years oh, old. Oh, not even, I think. Is yeah. he 20 yet? I think he's 20. 20. I think he turned 20 recently. I mean, I'll look it up while I'm talking, but yeah. he, now that they're so far out of first place, they might need to rush him back. I oh. mean,. I don't know. This says here on on Fangraphs that he said on Thursday that he hopes to throw off of a mound in the near future. So if he's not even thrown off the mound yeah. yet, I don't think he can count on him. So they're gonna have to if they if Kershaw can come back healthy, the pitching can be good enough yep. to get him within you know five or six games of the Diamondbacks. I don't think the Diamondbacks are all that good. I'm not a Diamondbacks believer. I'm still they not. just lost AJ Pollock, who might have been their best player. He's a very I mean, good player. I love him. You know, don't come at me. You know, Paul Goldschmidt fans, but A.J. Pollock might be their best player. They just lost him for eight weeks. So I think the Dodgers can win that division because I don't think the division's great, right. but they're going to have to make a couple of moves. Last thing I'll say, and then we'll move on because I think it's bothering me, but A.J. Pollock, I'm pulling up, you know, the Fangrass leaders in a war right now. He is, let's look, first place in the National League in war. That's insane. A.J. Pollock. A.J. Pollock. 
free agent to be coming up. Is he really? He's 30 years old. He's going to be a free agent. The Braves have about $50 million to spend. This is not a Braves podcast. Not. If the Braves gave A.J. Pollock the contract that Charlie Blackman just got, how would you feel? Six years, $100 million. Pretty awful because Charlie Blackman is not playing well right now. So. He's not, but take Charlie Blackman out of it. Six years, $100 million for A.J. Pollock in the offseason. Would you yeah, sign the check? Yeah, I'd be more than okay with that. I mean, he would – You know, we're going to talk about the Braves. Don't worry. That's going to happen. But, you know, A.J. Pollock – when he's healthy, he's a very, very good baseball player, but he's never healthy. So that's all I've got on the Dodgers. You got anything else before we move on? No, I mean, I think the best way to do this is to stay in Los Angeles and talk about our boy from Los Angeles Angels. Oh, my goodness. I listened back to the um, to the preview pod, and we did not do Shohei Otani justice. I'm we sorry. should have talked a lot more about Shohei Otani. One Major League Baseball player, Logan Morrison, recently was quoted as saying, he's the best player in the world. Ian Kinsler, one of his teammates, said when he's up there hitting, he's you forget that he's probably one of the best pitchers in the league. Right. And then when he's pitching, you forget that he's one of the best hitters on a team that has Mike Trout on it. He is incredible. I've got his I, – well, I had his Fangraphs page up, but my internet's terrible. It's not working. He's worth nearly a win already in both hitting yep. and pitching. Yep. And we're six weeks into the season. No, and Logan Morris and Ian Kinsler, I mean, it's not like you're talking to Willie Mays, Stan Musel, but those are guys who have been in the league for a long time. I've seen a lot of guys come through, and they're you know touting him as, if not you know one of the best players in the league, one of the best players in the world. So Atani has not just surpassed all of my expectations, but because I, I had pretty heavy expectations for him, but I think he's better than anybody expected him to be. I mean... Before, I listen to the Effective the Wild podcast. It's through Fangraphs. It's mm-hmm. Ben Lindbergh, Jeff Sullivan. They're very good. They've been talking about Otani on that podcast for at least three years. A while now, yeah. Since um, Masahiro Tanaka came over. Yep. They had a Japanese reporter on when Masahiro Tanaka came over, and they said, who's the next guy? And they said, Shohei Otani is going to be a hitter and a pitcher. And I remember listening to that. You know, it was three years ago. But I remember thinking, there's no way. Right. There's no way. And then he actually comes over, and your hope, is that could we see somebody who can be a MLB, a major league level pitcher and a hitter? Because we've never seen it before in our mm-hmm. lifetime. Yeah. And not only is he that, he's all-star level or better in both. Well, and, and my thing is, like, so watching him play every couple nights and just reading his stats, I think there's a good chance that he's going to kind of come back to earth as a hitter. Because, I mean, he's obviously a very good guy to play, but I don't see him slugging 650 over the course of the year. But if he does that... I think his pitching stats are not quite as high as they're going to be. I mean, his ERA is going to come down. It's, I think going into his next start this weekend, it's like at about at four, maybe a little bit over. I, I'm not totally sure, but that's going to come down. So no matter what he does, he's going to project as a, like at worst, an all-star. Without a doubt. I don't know. I mean, Shohei Otani is getting a ton of buzz. He's getting a ton of, you know, everybody's writing articles about him. It's all the Major League Baseball fans want to talk about, and I don't think we're giving them enough attention. This is something that we haven't seen ever in our lifetime. Uh The last guy to do this was Babe Ruth. Yep. Babe Ruth. I read an article today about, I think it was Jason Stark. He he has like the crazy facts. Sure, sure. You know, don't mean anything, but they're fun. Shoei Otani currently has six home runs. He's hit six home runs. He's given up four home runs. The last person to have as many innings pitched and as many as bat at bats as Shohei Otani does and have hit more home runs than he gave up was Babe Ruth in 1919. Uh-huh. I mean, it's been a hundred years since we've seen this. No, and I, I've read articles about, you know, guys who've pitched and hit and 
it, between Babe Ruth and Shoatani, you know, you take those hundred years in between, and you got a couple guys who've done both. But at the very best, they've gotten to like the league average level. And this guy through forty games is at the league average level with more than seventy five percent of the season to go. Before the season started, most people the common the common you know wisdom was that. He's going to be a very good pitcher, yep. right? He throws 99 miles an hour. He's got a nasty splitter. I mean, I've got the MLB package. I know you do, too. I watch Shohei Tani every time he pitches. Oh, and the great thing about him is that, like, like I told you earlier, you watch the Braves games early in the day. It gets done about 9, 10 o'clock. You turn on uh, MLB TV, and you've got him and Mike Trout coming up. It's perfect. It's perfect. And everyone knew he was going to be a good pitcher, right? I mean, with the stuff he has, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a very good pitcher. But most people said, you know what, he's got a lot of raw power, but he's not going to be able to hit major league pitching. He can't hit an inside fastball. He couldn't hit the inside fastball when he was in Japan. And guys throw harder over here. The command's better. Mm -hmm. He's not going to be able to hold up on the offensive side. He might get to DH every now and then, but he's not really a major league hitter. And then in spring training, he kind of proved those doubters right. You know, he. Yep. I think he had four hits in spring training, like I, four for thirty. I, I read or earlier four for thirty-two. I think he is was. that what it was? he I had more so. strikeouts than hits. He didn't look good at all. And Eric Hinsky apparently went to him, and he Otani had the big leg kick that was, most Japanese players had. The toe and, tap. He yeah, switched and it. Hinsky said, you know, calm that down. Do the toe tap instead of the leg kick, and you'll be able to get to the inside fastball. And I mean, it looks great. Former Brave Eric Hinsky. Eric Hinsky has inspired an MVP candidate. Eric Hinsky, the greatest pinch hitter in Major League history this side of Matt Stairs, That's right. has made Shohei Otani into the best player in baseball, according to Logan Morrison. No, I mean, the only thing I can say about Shohei I don't know if I keep moving on or not, but before Shohei came around, every night, if you got on Fangraphs and just went to the search bar, every night the most searched player was Mike Trout for like three or four straight years, and Shohei was the guy who took it over and has not given it up since then. This is, I said it a minute ago, but I don't think that we're appreciating it enough. This has not happened in a hundred years, Lewis. No, no. A hundred years. If you're listening to this podcast at this point, you're either our close family or you love baseball. If you love baseball, watch Shohei Otani play whenever you can because we've never seen this before and I don't think we'll ever see it again. People said, oh, Madison Bumgarner could be a major league hitter. Uh-huh. If he could, he's got some power, but he bats like 204, you know? Yeah. This is, we've never seen it before, and I just enjoy every minute of it because you're going to tell your grandkids you watch Shohei Otani play. No, no, I'm trying to think. So the only guy who's even close to that I've even heard of is that Brendan McKay. You know, he's the guy who played at Louisville. And he's the next. He's coming. He's, you know, he's doing it in single A or whatever. And I had to Google it, but he's with the Rays now, and maybe one day he'll be the American Shohei but he's a long way from that. Yeah, and... I mean, we could do like you said earlier. We've heard about people trying to do this before. You know, Rick Ankiel yep. and every. But Shohei Otani right now is a better pitcher than Rick Ankiel oh, ever was, God, and a better yeah. hitter than Rick Ankiel ever was. Yep. We've never seen this at the level that's being done right now, and just enjoy it because it's it's a once in a lifetime thing. That's and, right, and I'm loving every minute of it. Absolutely. So what's next? What do we got? Okay, moving right along. We're just we're just working right through this. The next thing I kind of want to talk about one of the biggest stories of the year so far is the Red Sox and the Yankees. Mm-hmm. They're back. They're both back. I mean, they've both had down years in the last half decade or so, and they both had good years in the last five or ten years. Well, ten years, of course. I think they both won World Series in the last ten the years. The Sox definitely. The Yankees won in 2009. Like, 09, yeah. But, I mean, they've both been up and down recently, but they're back. They're both, yep. as we speak, 16 games over 500. they They're tied for first place. They're probably – they're two of the best three teams. You know what? Throw the Astros into this. 
the fun, the sexy topic is Red Sox Yankees, but the Astros, Red Sox, and the Yankees yep. are, I think, probably the three best teams in the league. And we kind of thought that going into the season. I think you picked the Yankees. I picked the Red Sox. You did. It's yep. going to be a fun race to follow for yep. the rest of the year. So they've both had, I think, 17 and one stretches so far, which is crazy. I mean, these are two of the best teams in the league. You throw the Astros in there, who have maybe the best pitching staff since Easily. the late 90s, late 90s Braves. Oh, they're up there. I mean, this is going to be a fun race in the American League. No, and like you said, you took the Red Sox at the start of the year. I took the Yankees, and I'm going to stick with that because, of course, I'm not going to veer away from my picks. But the more I watch the Red Sox, the more I start thinking, you know, Mookie Betts, is East one. Coast Mike Trout. Yeah, I mean, really, he's, if not the best player in baseball, he, you can't make an argument for him being outside the top two or three. So he's up there. You got J.D. Martinez, who I knew was going to be a good hitter coming into the year, but he has surpassed every expectation I had for him. And now you got the Red Sox getting healthy. Uh, you got Alexander Bogarts from off the DL. Dustin Pedroia is going to be good to go uh, here very soon. They're only getting better. I mean, the Red Sox are going to be a better team. And, um,. God, the Yankees, I like them, I really do, but I don't see their entire lineup hitting the way that they've been doing, so that'll be fun to follow. I watched the Yankees game the other day, and the top four is well-known. Everybody knows those guys. You got Judge, you got Stanton, excuse me, you got Gregorius. After that, there's some guys you never heard of, you know? You've got, I'm going to pull it up as we're speaking, but it's a lot of young guys. Yeah, you got Tyler Austin, you got a couple guys. And Duhar, you know, and guys that are playing well and that have some prospect pedigree. But I am more encouraged today than I was when we recorded the preview pod of about my pick of the Red Sox to win this division. That Sox lineup's so good. I mean, you got it's guys. It's so good, and and Pedroia's not even back yet. No, he's not. And then you got guys in their lineup who, you know, in the past you thought, like, they're not easy outs, but they're whatever. But, I mean, like, Brock Holt, I love Brock Holt. Brock Holt is just a solid major league player. Yeah. You don't ever feel bad if Brock Holt's in your lineup. But they're at this point, they're tied with the Yankees. They're, I think, 30-14 and 14 or something mm-hmm. ridiculous. And they really haven't got anything out of David Price yet. They're paying David Price close to $30 million a year. If they can, you know, get close to what David, you know, close to that value off of David Price, they can go to a whole nother level. Not to mention Craig Kimbrell, who, yep. Lewis, I'm going to tell you, as a Braves fan, he's on his way to being the best closer of all time. He's up there, and you know, you, you say that David Price hasn't given, the, given them a whole lot this year, and you're right about that, but last night, he threw a complete game. I didn't know that. He threw a complete game last night. He did, yeah. He's back. He's back. He's back. And by back, I mean his ERA is like four and a half, or a little bit lower than that, but still, I mean, Whatever. maybe. If you can get a, get, get me... David Price, David, I know you're listening. Murfreesboro's own. I drive past your baseball field regularly. It's beautiful. Go Blackman Blaze. Blackman, I will not say that. Seagull Stars for <laughs> life. I hate Blackman. But, David, I know you're from Murfreesboro. You're listening to me. If you can give me a 350 ERA, strike out nine guys per nine. Give me a 9K per nine. And throw, you know, go seven innings. And turn it over to Craig Kimbrell, who's the greatest closer of all time. I'll buy you 10 wings of toots. I will. Come back, David Price. Lewis and I, me, Lewis, David Price at toots. This is all we need. If the Red Sox can get that David Price, yep. I mean, that might be the best team in the league. And, and They might be the best team without him, but if they can get just above average David Price. Yeah, and you know what? I don't want to ignore him because, I mean, I've talked so much about the Red Sox and Yankees. You know, I, I'm sick of it. But the Astros, that pitching rotation between Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton, that team, you know, I just kind of mentioned, they're rivaling, you know, the late 90s Braves in terms of strikeouts, in terms of uh, just innings pitched. Now, I, I won't give them the edge over those Phillies teams. 
with Cole Hamels, Cliff Lee, oh, Blake Holiday, Roy Oswald. Roy Oswald. But no, I mean, the Astros are going to be right back in it, that's for sure. I watch a lot of, well, I watch almost every Braves game. Every Braves game I can. I'm watching a Braves game right now. We it's are, on yeah. the TV. Uh, I watch as many Braves games as I can. I watch a lot of Angels games, and I watch a ton of Astros games. I love watching the Astros play. I was watching an Astros game a couple of days ago, and they put up a graphic of pitching statistics in the American League. And I know that it was the Astros broadcast, so of course they picked out the ones that the, the Astros were the best in. They were first in all categories. Yep. ERA, strikeouts, innings pitched, everything. I did a little more research on top of that. All five of the Astros starting pitchers are in the top 25 in Fangraph's wins above replacement. Yep. Four out of the five have more than 10 Ks per nine. That's well over a strikeout per inning. The only one that doesn't is Dallas Keuchel. Recent Cy Young winner. Former Cy Young winner. Former Cy Young winner who, when he was at his peak, he wasn't striking guys out. They have the top three pitchers in ERA in the American League. This was as of last night, as of Thursday. Well, you know, what's today? I don't know. This is Friday. As of current recording, they had the top three pitchers in ERA in the American League, one of whom is Charlie Morton, another former Brave, Brave, who we traded for. You know who we traded Charlie Morton for? Don't tell me. Yeah, tell me. Nate McClough. I'm glad we did. Gave Charlie Morton away for Nate McClough. He's now one of the best pitchers in the league. And, I mean, they had one of the best starting staffs in the league last year. They've got Justin Verlander. I was going to say peak Justin Verlander. He's, he's better than he's ever been yeah, before. Yeah, he is incredible. He's coming off a shutout. Not last night. I think the night before. They got Garrett Cole, who was very good as a pirate. Shout out to the Pirates, the best organization in baseball. He's now even better. He's a side um, young candidate at this point. Like the, the crazy thing about that is, I mean, is like when, when the Pirates traded Garrett Cole, I was like, okay, they gave up, they gave up Garrett Cole, but they got a pretty decent return. Like, I didn't like the trade for the Pirates. Was it but Colin Moran? Was something that like that, yeah. Who actually is playing pretty good yeah, right he's now. He's fine. He's fine. No, but I was okay with the deal, and now it's like, that's a bad deal, not the way that you didn't get anything in return, but Garrett Cole is just so good. And I hate that you made me look at the TV, because I did not know that Max Freed got cucked out of another start by Matt Weisler. Well, again, we're going to talk about the Braves for a second here, then we'll talk about him again later. This is Matt Soroka's spot. Um, sure. He is. He went on the DL. He got some shoulder tendonitis. He's supposed to be back next week. Um, Max Freed was going to start last <laughs> night. Uh, Mark Bowman oh, gave man. the uh, Brian Snicker excuse. Uh, which Brian Snicker said that we really want Max Freed to just stay on a five-day rotation oh, in Gwinnett, man. even though he's been our long man for like six weeks and get to pitch once every two weeks. I feel so awful for him. Yep, so Matt Whistler's running out here again. You know, we're just going to keep jerking Matt Wh- Matt Whistler down the road. <laughs> Whatever. What were we talking about, Lewis? Uh, the Astros, but I mean, I think we've talked about the Astros again. Yeah. So the best three teams in the American League, Astros, Yankees, Red Sox, it's going to be a fantastic race down the stretch down the stretch it's may we got yeah. four and a half months left i can't wait to watch this lewis <laughs> all you, of it are you stay you're sticking with the yankees to win that division who are you you had the indians yeah. i didn't want to call you out on it but you said something about me picking no. the dodgers so who, i mean who are you picking to win the american league right now i got i gotta assume it's one of those three teams just to go into my quick defense of the indians i will say that i think they're gonna rebound i think they'll be okay i saw a guy the other day saying the indians should, should fire terry francona and i thought Come okay. back to us. The, the no. Indians, if they win 84 games, they're going to win that division. That's the worst division in baseball right. in, in 25 years. So, so that guy, I mean, delete your account right now. But um, the Indians, technically I'm going to stick with them because, I mean, I made the prediction. You're a man of honor. Year. I have to. It's, it, it's the integrity of it. But if I had to say who's the best team in the American League, I'm probably going Red Sox. 
even though I'm sticking with the Yankees doing the division, <laughs> so who knows what I'm even thinking. I, I'm going to stick with the Red Sox, too, for, for reasons mentioned earlier. So we've got one more huge topic that we have to talk about before we get to why we're really here, which is to talk about the Braves. So the last huge storyline that I could think of, if you have another huge storyline that you know of that we haven't talked about, please hit us up on Twitter at informal underscore US at underscore, or I think Austin Coley, I think is his Twitter handle. Send all your tweets to him. He'll deal with it. The last big storyline I have is Robinson Cano. Lewis, every couple, or a couple times a year, usually, we get a guy who gets popped for PEDs. Yep. It doesn't happen as much, well, I mean, it happens, I guess, probably more now than it used to, just because the testing is more stringent, but we're kind of out of the steroid era. We assume most guys are clean. You know, it's not 2003 anymore. Robinson Cano is the most high-profile guy to get popped maybe ever. It's either him or Manny Ramirez, for sure. I mean, since Manny Ramirez, at least. We were looking at his fan graphs page before we started recording. He's at 65 fan graphs, off, fan graphs wins just with his offense, not including his defense. This is a guy who was on track for the Hall of Fame, a guy who's making over $20 million a year, signed, I think, the biggest free agent contract for a second baseman ever. I think you're right. And, I mean, he wasn't performing up to that because none of these huge free agents do, but he was still a very good player. No, I mean, Robinson Cano, I mean, at very worst, Robinson Cano is going to be a borderline guy. I mean, 50-50, he's either getting in or he's not. But if Robinson Cano kept up his current level of production for a couple more years, he was probably in. Especially as a second baseman, because, I mean, I don't I don't have the stats in front of me. We're the informal podcast. We don't, we don't do a ton of research here. So I don't know, just off the top of my head, it feels like as a second baseman, as a middle infielder in general, you have, if you're able to play one of those middle infield positions at a high level, you're at a, you have a better chance to get in anyway. And 65 offensive wins on its own gets you in the conversation. And I'm looking yeah. at it right now. I mean, he was, he was hitting well. This, I mean, he was hitting really well. Well, he had season. a very good season, I think, three years ago. What, he hit 36 home runs yep. three years ago? Or, or, or high, he hit 39, 2016. High 30s. 2016, You yeah. know, he, by no means, I think he's 35. He's not washed up. No. So, give me the macro view. Zoom out. Show yep. me the whole picture. How has your opinion changed of Robinson Cano over the last week? If it's changed at all, what is your opinion of Robinson Cano right now? I mean, he's one of the best players of our generation, yeah. without a doubt. But what did you think about him before you found out about the steroids? What do you think, you know, if assuming yeah. he, you know, he failed a test, what do you think about him now? No, I'll be totally honest. I mean, going back to the Hall of Fame podcast we did when we discussed the guy. Great like, podcast. Go, go listen to that. Yeah, I mean, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa. I said that those guys, a lot of them, they're deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Like, if Barry Bonds runs out of eligibility and doesn't make the Hall of Fame. It's a shame. He might be the greatest baseball player. That's going to be very, it's a yeah, shame. very awkward. But, I mean, once again, growing up as a kid in that time period, in the steroid era, when I found out those guys kind of had that reputation attached to them, that affected me. I mean, when you're 13 years old and you hear that this guy who you've been watching for your younger years has been linked to this kind of stuff, that hurts. And so Robinson Cano, when I found out about that him, I was like, okay, it sucks, but it's not like that. But even still, you know, once again, you've got the reputation. You've got the negative press attached to you, which whether you like it or not, I mean, it affects your opinion of them. It just kind of happens. And now you zoom out again and you look at Robinson Cano's whole career and you're like, he's had a great career. That's obvious. I mean, he was probably going to be, once again, at worst, a borderline Hall of Famer. But now, you know, you think about it, is Robinson Cano better than Barry Bonds? Is he better than Mark McGuire no. or Sammy Sosa? No. So, I no. mean, no, he's not making the Hall of and Fame. 
I think you're probably right. At this point, I, he's got five years left on his contract. Yep. Right. So you assume he plays out the rest of his contract. You know, he's making you know like thirty-five million dollars a year or something to play out the rest of that contract. Then there's five more years after that before he's eligible for the Hall of Fame. Mm. So you're looking at ten years before this is ever back in front of the mainstream. You know, back before we or before we have to make a decision. It's ten years. The Baseball Writers Association is gonna keep turning over. Right. The yep. younger writers are more inclined to vote for guys like Barry Bonds, Manny Ramirez, you know, Robert, Roger Clemens, Robert, Robert Clemens, Robert Lewis. Lewis, Roger Clemens. They're more inclined to vote for these steroid guys. So 10 years from now, Robinson Cano might get in. He might. He very well might. With the current voting pool that we've got now, I don't think he gets in because the guys that we talked about just that I just said, you know, Barry Bonds and all those guys aren't getting in. I have to tell you, in my opinion, there's a difference to me between Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds and guys like Robinson Cano and Dean oh, Dorton yeah. oh, and agree. Starling Marte. Not in terms of on-the-field ability. I mean, it's you know it's obvious that Clemens and Bonds are two of the greatest players of all time, and these other guys aren't in that that category, especially D. Gordon and Starling Marte and you know whoever else has tested positive over the last few years. But back then, it wasn't steroids weren't explicitly illegal, right? right? It was, I mean, their guys knew that they weren't necessarily on the up and up, you know, following the letter of the law, but it wasn't like it is now where there's regular testing and we're looking for cheaters right. and that sort of thing. So to me, guys like that, guys like David Ortiz, who's going to come up in a few years, who I would vote for if I had a vote, guys like that who were doing it, you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago, that's different to me than someone that gets caught in 2018. Right. In 2018, you know what you're doing. And Cano put out a statement and said, you know, it's just a diuretic. It had nothing to do. I wasn't taking PEDs. But from everything I've read, the only reason you take that drug at 35 years old is if you're trying to cover something up. Sure. So, to me, he's he's guilty. He was cheating. And he was cheating in an era where we know steroids are cheating. And if I had a vote, I wouldn't vote for Robinson Cano. No, and, and the last thing I want to say about Robinson Cano is that Mark Teixeira came out and said today, who I love, I love Mark Teixeira, both as a Brave, as a Former Brave, great. Just as a baseball you know, mind, he just said, like, I love Robinson Cano, but I'm not surprised. I mean, he knew that was coming. And, I mean, as a former teammate, as a, you know, just guy who was, you know, up there in terms of baseball knowledge, he knew that was coming, and I, yeah. Uh, which to me means hurts that to, to me that means it's been going on for a long exactly. time. Exactly. And in two, Buster Olney, he came out and he said yesterday on his podcast that he wasn't surprised either. No. You know, he wasn't reporting that he knew it was going on, but 2012 when all the biogenesis stuff came out, Ryan Braun got popped. You know, Alex, Alex yeah. Rodriguez got popped. A ton of guys were in that biogenesis thing. Robinson Cano's name was kind of on the outskirts of that. I'd forgot about that. Yeah, his name came out and he was kind of cleared. You know, there was no evidence to prove that he did anything, and people kind of let it go. But this has been around for a while, and I think when you're at that level, when you're at the level Robinson Cano is, it, it's, it's unacceptable to me. And it doesn't matter how well the end of his career goes; he's never a Hall of Famer to me at this point, and it's sad. But yeah. I mean, and, and you're growing up with a brother who's a big Yankees fan who loved Robinson Cano, that does hurt to say. But no, if I had the vote, I'm saying no on Cano. You can't do it. You just can't. And it, yeah. you know, like you said, it's sad, but that's where you are. And it, before we move on, if you're the Mariners, 
how do you approach this going forward? Because they're a team on the fringes of playoff contention right now. You're without probably your best player for 80 games. They're moving D. Gordon back to second base. Yeah, and I, I don't know what the Mariners do because I mean you got D. Gordon, you got Kyle Seager, you've got some guys, but you've also got the worst farm system in the major leagues. You also have the worst ace in baseball in Felix Hernandez. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Felix. Every Hernandez. time I watch him, I just think like that guy at one point was the guy. The it hurts to watch. One of my like MLB bucket list items was to go to Seattle and watch Felix pitch and sit in the Kings court and hold up the K signs and you know it's one of the most fun things in baseball he's just not the same guy that he was before why are the Mariners not tearing it down why aren't they trading Nelson Cruz why aren't they trading oh, D Gordon God. even Kyle Seager I mean Kyle Seager's young but they've got to rebuild this farm si- farm system because they're headed to like a Marlins level nadir in the near future the Mariners are just in an awkward position of it's like they want to compete every year but they don't want to take the time to build. You know, they've got the farm system who they keep trading guys away. Like, they had the deal with the Yankees a couple years ago when they gave up. Oh, who's the catcher? Oh, I, Jesus Montero. Jesus Montero, who, I mean, yeah. who cares what he is now? But, I mean, they gave up Jesus Montero because they thought, you know, it's time to compete and nothing ever, nothing ended up happening. They traded the Braves. It. They traded Luis Gohara to the Braves for Malik Smith and a reliever. Didn't they give us Alex Jackson as well? And Alex Jackson, I mean, who's yeah. our best catching prospect. Yeah, they, they, they keep, you know, giving away the farm system for the guys who they think are going to lead them, not not even like to a World Series, but they think it's playoff time and it never happens. So now the Mariners, I don't want to say they're one of the worst run teams in baseball, but they're not well ran. That's for uh, sure. I'm going to make you mad. Are you ready? Yes, yeah, here. To me, the Mariners... There's a strong corollary to the Memphis Grizzlies, the Memphis Grizzlies in the NBA, because it's Seattle's not a small market, but they don't, they can't spend with the big boys, you know, and they seem to be terrified. Not, I don't want to use the word tank because that's got a lot of negative connotations, but they are very hesitant to rebuild. Yeah, you know, the Grizzlies have have held on to Mike Conley and Mark Gasol to the point where they almost don't have any value anymore. Sure. They could have traded them two years ago and got a lot of value out of them, but instead they were content to come in seventh in the West and, you know, lose in the first round. Mm -hmm. And now they're in a position where they're looking at a long, long rebuild. And the Mariners are headed there, and I just don't understand it. We weren't supposed to talk about the Mariners this much, Lewis. (laughs) We have a huge thing to talk about before we get out of here. And I know you know what it is, and I know the people know what it is, because as long as Austin Coley is not on this podcast. This is officially a Braves podcast, Lewis, and we're going to talk about the Braves. The Braves are in first place. I mean, you're wearing your Braves shirt. I'm wearing mine. We're a half game in first place right now. The Braves are on the TV two feet away from us. I, I mean, mean, Freddie Freeman is batting right now. Matt Whistler's on the mound, but that's whatever. Whatever. We don't need to talk about Matt Whistler. The Braves are in first place. They are 10 games over 500 for the first time in recent memory, and... I'm enjoying watching the Bra- watching Braves baseball more than I have since the infield fly rule, since Sam oh, Holbrook God. broke my heart. Lewis, give me your thoughts. Give me your Braves thoughts. No, kind of like what you just said. I mean, I had to go through every Braves season to figure out, you know, when was the last time I had this much fun watching the Braves? And so, yeah, the first thing you said was infield fly rule. I'm back to 2013, the last, you know, kind of run. I was like... That was the best team we've had since, or this is the best team we've had since then. Without a but, doubt. But did I have that much fun watching it? Because you mentioned the infield fly rule, and uh, that I mean, I think that year that was my our sophomore year of college. Yep. 
I don't know why I didn't have that much fun watching this team. I, I, I don't know if it was a Chris Johnson thing. Oh, Chris if Johnson. A, Lewis. If it was a, uh, what was his name, Matt Diaz thing. I don't know. But I love Matt Diaz, but In continue. some ways. But yeah, so I kept looking back because I was like, there's got to be a team that I just had so much fun watching. And I remembered, you know, going back to that 2005 season, that Baby Braves year when Brian McCann, you've got, like, even the guys like Ryan Langerhans. I am so glad you said Ryan Langerhans because yeah. it was Brian McCann and Jeff Francoeur were the Baby Jeff Braves. Francoeur. Kelly Johnson. But... I'm with you, Lewis. First of all, myself and regular co-host Austin Coley were at the infield fly rule game. Uh-huh. We did not throw any trash on the field, mostly because we weren't close enough to throw any trash on the field. I probably would have. I was furious. But I'm with you. I loved watching Justin Upton and Brian McCann yeah. and Evan Gaddis. I loved that team. But, I mean, this team, you've got Ronald Acuna, you've got Ozzy Albies, mm-hmm. who are the two youngest position players in the league. They're already both playing at all-star levels. You got Mike Soroka. He's number, got, like, number three. You got Mike Soroka, who is the youngest pitcher in the league. You've got Fultonevich, who is slowly putting it together. Yep. Can I say that? You got Sean Newcomb. Sean Newcomb's good. Slowly putting it together. This is a good team. It's going to be a good team for a while. I don't. I'm not saying we're going to win the division this year. We're probably not. I would be content with competing for a wild card at this point. But also, you've got a guy who I forgot to talk about to this point. Freddie Freeman. Lewis, Freddie Freeman might be my favorite Brave of all time. No, and going into Of this, my lifetime, I yeah, should say. Yeah, going into this year, I mean, everyone knew Freddie Freeman is an awesome first baseman. You know, when you bring up the top five or ten guys in baseball, the name Freddie Freeman is always going to come up, but I always had him, you know, a level below the Joey Bottos, the Paul Goldschmidt's. Those guys always had an edge on him. This is the first year in his career when I've said he's better than those guys because Paul Goldschmidt, you know, Slow start. Joey Votto's a good player, but he's not, you know, quite peak Joey Votto. And Freddie Freeman has taken up the mantle of, if not the best first baseman in the National League, uh, or excuse me, if, if not the best in all of baseball, easily the best in the National League, that's for sure. Without a doubt. And I was a little bit earlier than you on this. I started saying this uh, last year, before he broke his, broke his wrist. Yeah. He has been neck and neck with Mike Trout and Joey Votto as the best hitter in baseball for like the last two calendar seasons and we always knew he was good he got that contract you know five or six years ago whenever it was whenever they they basically the Braves chose Freddie Freeman over Jason Hayward they gave Freddie Freeman the extension 125 million dollars over eight years and we knew right away that that was a good deal because Freddie Freeman was a major league caliber player he was a borderline all-star we knew it was a good deal he's taken the next step in the last couple of years to bona fide superstar and Acuna and Albies get talked about a lot, and they should. They're, you know, they're incredible. They're doing what they're doing at their age is, you know, borderline unprecedented. But Freddie Freeman is a superstar. He's a true superstar, and he's what's going to be the difference moving forward as to whether the Braves can actually contend for World Series in the future. No, I was going to say, I mean, if Ronald Acuna keeps up his current pace, obviously he's Rookie of the Year. That's awesome. If Ozzy Albies keeps up his current pace, he is maybe the best second baseman in the league. I he's don't getting know. some MVP buzz. Recently. No, absolutely. But if Freddie Freeman keeps doing what he's doing, I don't see a player in the National League now that AJ Pollock's out. Who's going to beat Freddie Freeman for MVP? I mean, he's incredible. He's probably right there. And now I feel like after gushing over the Braves for the last five minutes, like we have, I have to ask you, Lewis. You and I are both Braves fans. Yes. You and I are both Falls fans. Tell me what terrible thing is going to happen in the next two weeks that crushes our hopes and dreams about this Braves team. Well, it won't be in the next two weeks, but I mean. In reference to the first couple weeks of the season, I'm going to say this right now, nobody has ever been more wrong about a single player than I was about Nick Markakis oh my coming goodness. into this year. Lewis. Lewis, 
if you had told me that I would go the rest of my life, I would never get married, I would never have kids, I would never find happiness, but the Braves would trade Nick Marquez, I would say, do it. Pull the trigger. For a bucket of baseball. Trade him now. I hated Nick Marquez. Lewis, I went to open a day. Me and my mom went to open a day. I vividly remember walking to the stadium, getting the MLB.com alert of the Braves lineup, seeing Nick Marquez batting fourth. Yeah, oh my God. And rage texting several people. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably got a text from me about Nick Marquez batting cleanup. He had, he's had like 11 home runs since we signed him four years ago. I was furious. He's awful. He is the worst cleanup hitter in baseball. Lewis, Nick Marquez might win the MVP. He's having an incredible season this year. What's going on? I'm not going to go that far, but I mean, obviously, like, I, I think I pulled up the Fangraphs War page, you know, before we started this podcast. And obviously, Freddie Freeman is the number one. Ozzy Abbey's number two. Neymar Kakis is one of the, like, the 30 best players in baseball. He's legitimately good. Like, this isn't, it's not a, uh, you know, a BAPIP fluke thing. Yeah. He's playing better defense. He is. He's hitting better. He's making better contact. He's got more walks than strikeouts six weeks into the season. I don't he's think last power, Lewis. Yeah, last year, I don't think he was one of the top thirty players in the Braves system, <laughs> much less baseball. And now, I mean, he it looks like 2007-08 again. This is no, no, no. This is the best season Nick Markakis has ever had. I'm gonna shout out the informal or not the informal. We are the informal podcast. I'm gonna shout out the informal podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at informal us. I'm gonna shout out the effectively wild podcast for the second time on this podcast for like the thirtieth time on this podcast's life. They had a segment. This has been a long time ago. This is when Nick Marquez was still in, uh-huh. in the Orioles organization. They talked about the player who had the most wins above replacement, the highest war with zero all-star appearances, yep. zero MVP votes. Yep. You vote for the top ten in the MVP, I believe. <laughs> so not even a tenth-place vote. Nick Marquez was first, I think he, first oh, or second be, yeah. at that time. And he's to this day, as of right now, he still has zero all-star appearances, Zero MVP votes. If he keeps this going, he's going to make the All Star team. I'm actually looking at this Fangraphs page right now, and he's on pace for, at very worst, like worst case scenario, second best season of his career. I did not know that in 2008 he's worth six wins. Great, he was a great defensive player at that yeah, time too. He and was. He got that rep- reputation as a good defensive player because he won a lot of Gold Gloves. You yeah, know? and he was good when he was younger. At one point, yeah. Since he came to Atlanta, he's been oh, he's awful. been I mean at best below average yeah. on defense. He's not a good defender anymore. People tell you that he's a good defender. They're he's not actually not. looking at the stats. He's not that good. This year, he's been good. Oh yeah. And a lot of credit, you know, a lot of the players and a lot of the media around the Braves have given that credit to Alex Anthopoulos and the new regime that's in in Atlanta as that they're giving more credence to the advanced stats, especially on defense. You know, they're positioning him better, putting him in better spots to succeed. But, I mean, what shocks me is the power. You could have told me coming into the season that he walked more than he struck out. I would have believed you. You would have told me that he hit 300. I would have believed you. On base percentage, high, I could have believed that. His he's got what seven home runs to this yep, point. Seven. His slugging percentage is five eighteen, which is hundred and fifty points higher than oh it's been God, yeah. in five or ten years. You he, know? He's a home run away from matching his total from last year through forty two games. And the year before that he hit three. Oh, or no, the, two years. Yeah, before two that. years before that he hit three. He 
it's an anomaly. It makes yeah. no sense to me. You can't explain it with anything. I mean, Nick Markakis is actually a contributing baseball player this year. So going forward, what do you want to see? Do you want to see the Braves ride it out? He's a free agent at the end of the year, too. Yeah. Do you want to see the Braves extend Nick Markakis? I'm going to be totally honest. In my personal opinion, no. Not a chance. I don't know. I'm just gonna, once again, he's 34. If the Braves can sign him to a one- or two-year deal, yeah, 100%. Go ahead and resign him. But uh, if he plays like this all year, they're not resigning him. It's July 30th. The Braves are, let's say, eight games above 500, three games out of the division behind the Nationals. Okay. You have Austin Riley, who is probably the Braves' top hitting prospect right now. Yep. He's in AAA. Yep. Tearing AAA up. He's a third baseman, but you could put him in the outfield. Do you, A, trade Nick Markakis, B, ride it out, try to make the playoffs? Oh, that's tough, but I'm saying ride it out. I ride really it out. Am. I think I agree with you because I don't know what they could get for Nick Marquez, nah, even if he's playing this well because he's old and he's yeah. got only one year left. He's worth, I mean, the Braves, I mean, obviously you get something for him because, I mean, come uh, that time in July, the Yankees, the Sox, those guys, you're looking for guys, but now, I mean, mid level prospect, that's the peak for Marquez. I think you're right. And I think that what Nick Marquez has done is he's bought himself the rest of the year as the Braves' right fielder. Which well, that he's bought himself another year to in the league. He's probably, he's if he can keep this up for the rest of the year, he's going to get a pretty good contract. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he's not going to get, you know, a 10 year deal, but he could get a three or four year deal at he'll, pretty high annual keep value. Getting paid. That's all that and matters. I really hope it's not with the Braves. I really do. I, you know, Nick Marquez, <laughs> I, I was going to say, I almost said I love Nick Marquez. I don't. I do not. I still don't love Nick Marquez. Marquez, I'm scarred. I, three terrible years. Yeah, does not. You know, one year doesn't make up for that. But Nick Marquez, thank you for all you've done for us. I hope that you play this well for the rest of the year, and I hope you get a good fat contract somewhere in the American League. Get paid. Absolutely. Go keep getting them checks, as the immortal Jalen Rose once That's said. Right. Okay. Before we stop talking about the Braves, what are your expectations going forward? Because we, I mean. We might have had a little bit higher expectations of the Braves than most, but we didn't think they were going to be in first place this late in the year. What do you expect out of them for the rest, for the next four months? And so here's the deal. I mean, if you told me right now the Braves finished the 2018 season with 75 wins, I'd be disappointed. But, I mean, the team's fun to watch. That's step one is at least being able to watch the team and not get mad. So, I mean, once again, I'd be disappointed, but whatever. This Braves team should finish at worst, 500. I mean, they should win 80 games easy, in easy. my personal opinion. Assuming everybody stays healthy, I yeah. agree with you. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs because they're a young team. It's a small sample size. Don't have very good pitching. They're going to come back to earth. They're yeah. going to come back to earth at some point. I don't know how badly. I don't know whether it's going to be pitching, hitting, whatever. Because the pitching is pretty middle of the road, but it might be worse than that. I don't really know. But um, it's going to come back to earth. If they go 500, I will be so satisfied with this team. I... In theory, on paper, I agree with you. We're 10 games over 500 right now. If they end up at 500, the next four and a half months are going to be pretty rough to watch. Sure. But as long as the three guys at the top of that lineup, Albies, Acuna, and Freeman, are yep. healthy, playing every day, I'm with you. I'm going to count this season as a positive. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm just getting so much enjoyment out of watching the Braves play every day in a way that I haven't had since I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, it, it doesn't piss me off every time I turn the TV on and I've got to watch someone like Gavin Floyd go out there oh, and pitch no. for the Braves. And we've still, I say we, like I'm a member of the Braves, I am, moving forward. 
we still have one of the best farm systems in baseball. Yeah. You know, you just got Colby Allard, the left-handed pitcher who's knocking on the door. Kyle Wright's not too far away. Ian Anderson. Uh, Ian Anderson's coming. I mean, Austin Riley we talked about a minute ago. And the trade deadline is going to be fascinating because either A, the Braves play the course, which in my opinion they probably should do is just kind of keep it rolling. Ride it out, yeah. If the Braves get the trade deadline and they're in the same position they are right now, they're leading the division, have a shot at it, the Braves might try and leverage those guys they into Very well big. could. I've Mark Bowman, MLB.com reporter for the Braves, he's kind of been floating, I wouldn't say rumors, I wouldn't. he's not reporting it, but if you read his mailbag, he seems to think that Luis Gohara is a guy the Braves could flip at the deadline oh, yeah. this year. Luis Gohara, the you know he's the hefty lefty. He's CC Sabathia two He's a poor man, CC. I mean that in the best way. He's I got really great do. stuff. I mean, currently he's in the bullpen. He's coming off an injury, but he pitched the other night. He looked great. He looked. My brother, who is a Red Sox fan by the way, watched that Braves game, and he is a huge Gohara fan. Thinks he's awesome. Gohara, he's got fantastic stuff. He throws high nineties. Got a great slider. You know, he's at the very worst, he's going to be an elite level reliever. But Bowman seems to think that he's a guy who might have more value to another team. Buster Olney, a couple of days ago on his podcast, talked about, or he kind of sprinkled in a potential Josh Donaldson to the Braves at the deadline rumor, which I hadn't heard before, and I never really considered it because I'm kind of like you. I think the Braves should probably just ride this out yeah. and try to turn their prospects into major leaguers. But if they're in first place and you can trade a guy like Gohara, or it might not even take that much at that point, to get Josh Donaldson, third base is clearly the Braves' weak spot right now. I mean, this is a team who could press for a playoff spot, and I never thought that before the season. Every time I hear the name Josh Donaldson or Manny Machado in any way linked to the Braves, I just... Don't even start with Manny Machado. Oh, it's just incredible that like we're even at this point in the season. It's even close to that. It's unbelievable. It really is. I don't know if you... I'm talking to the listeners now. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but as long as Lewis and I are doing a baseball podcast, it's probably going to be a Braves podcast. We're going to do our best to talk about the rest of the league, but we're going to talk a lot about the Braves. We need to get out of here. We're going to try to come back next week. Is there anything you need to say before we get out, before we finish it up? No, I mean, obviously, I appreciate y'all letting me on. I'm very excited about, hopefully, you know, baseball season, we're going to be a more consistent presence. We are going to do our best to get at you guys once a week to talk baseball, to talk about some other stuff going on in sports, um, to try not to embarrass ourselves. We'll see if that works out. But... Please follow us on Twitter at InformalUS. Send us emails. I think it's InformalUS at gmail.com. Something along those lines. It's, uh, go to the Twitter page. You'll see it there. Follow me at Lewis underscore 06. Follow Lewis at underscore E-L underscore P-E-L-I-R-O. Don't follow me. Don't follow me. El Pelerojo, go to my Twitter <laughs> at Lewis underscore 06. Go to my likes. It's full of Aaron Lewis tweets. Yeah. Follow him on Twitter. He's a fantastic follow. Follow our usual co host, Austin Coley, at Austin Coley, I think is his name. He actually got his name. I don't know how he pulled that off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, hit us up. Let us know what you want to hear from us. But we're going to do our best to bring you baseball information, baseball content over the next few months. Uh, follow the Indianapolis Indians on Twitter. Shout out the Indianapolis Indians. Shout out the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's Shout right. out Austin Coley. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. That's right. Peace.